Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Onique. Welcome back to the podcast. Or welcome if this is your first time listening. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 134. And with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to talk about overall wellness topics and vegan entrepreneurship because, of course, we know this is so much more than food and it truly is a lifestyle. So to me, it's important to bring all of those topics together so that we can truly start to live and continue to live our best lives. You can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com. And also be sure to come hang out with me on Instagram. I'm at brownvegan over there. Let me know what you think of this episode. So yes, today on the show, I have Carrington. She is with Carrington on Instagram and her brand is all about joyfulness and sustainable living. Absolutely love my conversation with Carrington. She has such an amazing spirit and energy, just so soothing, just listening to her. So we're going to actually talk about how she started her vegan journey at a very young age, which is incredible in itself because, you know, a lot of people never make that connection. But for her, it's always been about her being outside. It's always been about nature. And she was able to make that connection for her life is a way to not only improve it, but also to help other people. Conversation, we're going to chat about how veganism has helped to improve her mental health, foraging plants, which is like her absolute favorite thing to do, especially foraging mushrooms. She's going to um, offer some tips on how to start your own foraging journey as far as getting out there and staying safe and enjoying plants. A lot of times plants that are expensive in the store, you can actually get from right in the woods near you. We're also going to chat about her being a plant mom <laughs> and how her plants are her children. I know some people who can relate to that. I swear I see it on social media so much that people are like, my plants are my children or my plants are my roommates. She's going to talk about how having plants has enriched her life. So yes, this was a great conversation. Of course, as always, all of the show notes can be found at brownvegan.com under episode 134. And be sure to also follow Carrington on social media. Her handle on Instagram is at Carrington. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation. I decided to become vegan when I was very young and I started to learn a lot about like pretty much where my food came from. And at the time when I was younger, I was like very invested in like loving nature and I just loved all living things. And once I realized that those things were like not able to live a good quality life, Essentially, because of like how my lifestyle was, I was very, you know, taken back. And I made a promise to myself that one day I would make sure that I would go vegan. That happened around about when I was like 14, 15 years old. I started getting interested in it and I transitioned over a five year period. So I became vegan when I was 20 years old. And now I'm almost 25. So. <laughs> I very happily settled into that lifestyle and I couldn't be happier. It was definitely one of the best things I've ever done in my life for myself. 
Wow. The hair that you went, that you just made the decision that you wanted to start to improve your life at 14 is incredible. So you have to tell us, like, what what did that look like as far as you finding out, you know, making the connection between food and our health and food and the planet and food and animals? Like, how did that start? Because a lot of people don't even get to that place, especially not a 14 year old. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so I grew up in rural southwestern Virginia. I grew up in Danville, Virginia. It's a very small town on the border. And like, I just, we were just always around like farms and stuff. I mean, like it was like a town. So there was, <laughs> there was plenty of stores and everything, but I always saw farm animals and I rode horses when I was younger. And my mom always took us to like things like the strawberry festival and whatnot. So I was fully aware then, you know, like chicken comes from chicken and <laughs> like stuff like that. But then there was like a period I like I, I was always really into nature. Like you can always you can ask my mom. I was always very in- invested. And around about eight, I actually tried to go vegetarian. What made me want to do that? I could, I can't tell you who like inspired me. I just like one day said to my mom is that I don't really want to eat the animals that I really like. And she was like, okay, you can do this. So I like, went vegetarian for a few days, and that didn't last very long, but I did try. And then one summer, I want to say like I was in eighth grade, I was on Tumblr, and I was I looking at <laughs> <laughs> Look that with that one. <laughs> yeah, I was on Tumblr, and Tumblr was such a chaotic place, but there was like this list like resources list of like all the things, all the links and videos you need if you ever want to go vegan or vegetarian. So that summer I just went through and watched all of that and I read everything and I got really invested. I was like, oh, I already did. I always cared about my body and I was cared about taking care of the earth and whatnot, but I got a very good sense of that when I watched documentary Earthlings. And if anyone's listening to this and you haven't seen Earthlings, I would rate it R. <laughs> that is not something that you probably should see. Yeah, that's definitely traumatizing. Okay. <laughs> For sure. But it really made me be like, what I can't do is that. I do not want to be a part of that. And at the same time, I was getting really into my own yoga practice because I was really active as a child. And that was, you know, when you go through puberty and everything, your body's changing, you know, depending on how intense you are with sports, it determines like your your development. And so I was classically trained ballerina and I played other sports and it it was causing a lot of pain in my joints. And I was going to physical therapy, hated it. So I picked yoga instead to try to heal my body. And when I was practicing yoga, I was learning a lot about like the principles of like, you know, the philosophy behind yoga. And there's a concept within the eight limbs of yoga, Anastanga. There's like these things like the yamas and the yamas. And one of them is ahimsa. And ahimsa means nonviolent. And that means nonviolent not only to others, but unto yourself. And I learned that one of the best ways I could be nonviolent is pretty much to adopt a plant-based diet and lifestyle. So like all, all those things were happening at the same time of my ripe age of 13, 14, 15 years old of me, like 
having, I guess, like some kind of awakening and realizing that if I want to take care of my body and heal it, I need to eat good foods. Oh, the the foods are best for me and for literally everything else on this earth or our plants. And this is what I need to work towards. And so I just like made a decision then to start that journey. And so I stopped eating red meat when I was 15. And I stopped drinking and consuming dairy products when I was 16, 17. I stopped eating pork. 18, I stopped eating chicken. Yeah. 19, I was in this weird limbo of like being pescatarian and having eggs every now and again. And then one day I just like woke up one February day in college. Mm -hmm. I woke up and I was like, yeah, I just think this is going to be my last egg. I don't really want this anymore. This isn't for me. And then I just stopped. (laughs) So up until the eggs, was it intentional? Like every year you would say, I'm not going to eat this anymore. Or did it just kind of, was it like the eggs the whole time? Well, so I stopped eating the red meat because it, I, all of a sudden I am 99% certain. I like got bit by tech because when you live in the country, that's inevitable. Developed like alpha gal. So like, I just couldn't process consuming red meat anymore. It was just making me very sick. I developed a dairy allergy shortly after that. And that made that kind of easy. Like, you know, I'm just very definitely allergic to dairy now. And then the pork was really once I like saw something that talked about how some farmers feed pigs, dead pigs. I was like, nope, can't do it. (laughs) That was the one fact that really did me in. (laughs) And then the chicken, I got food poisoning twice from Chick-fil-A. And then I was like, this is going to kill me one way or another. Whether it's like with heart disease or which is simply food poisoning, I have got to stop eating chicken. And I didn't even like it that much at that point in my life. Anywho, so that really sealed the deal. I was quite, I was trying to hold on to seafood. Not going to lie. I can relate to that. That's everybody talks about the dairy, but I'm like, nah, it's a seafood for me. (laughs) It was never the dairy. It was always a seafood. Yeah, the seafood was great. I grew up like, like we grew up going to like my mother is from Hampton Roads area. So we like every summer spent the summer in Virginia Beach. So I like would eat anything from like octopus to like snow crab legs and stuff like that. And I loved mm-hmm. it all. And I love the smell of fish and I would just eat anything that had fish. Loved it. Thrived on scallops. And I found out that we were probably not going to have any fish by 2050. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be contributing. The reason, right? <laughs> yeah, I relate to the, the Virginia Beach. I grew up in Virginia Beach. So seafood is life. <laughs> this is like very, very relatable to me because I grew up there. So I understand what you're saying. What did you do, though, as far as transitioning? I know that, of course, we like you said, in 2050, you read that we won't have seafood. We won't have resources and we actually need that. So was that enough for you or did you start making replacements as far as seafood or reading that kind of made you, it just completely turned you off from seafood anyway and then you didn't need anything to replace it? It was like reading that fact. And then like, I like, I understood like other concepts about like why we shouldn't eat seafood, like mercury and plastic and all of that kind of stuff. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But it was definitely like I realized like I just couldn't really afford to buy seafood myself in college. <laughs> it was like I would rely on my mom 
purchasing seafood for me. And then like I would bring it home to like college and everything. So I just was like, this is just not an affordable lifestyle to like keep paying for me and like getting, I was getting eggs from a farmer I personally knew. Like I could go pick the eggs from chickens and stuff like that too. So I knew that he did treat the chickens well. They were pretty expensive. I mean, they were farm-raised eggs and they were organic and everything. It came down to like, I transitioned over time because I had this very deep like connection to everything. And I also am very into ethics, like having good ethics. And if I want to be known as someone who is loving and kind and nurturing in every way and just not a cool person, I want to strive to be that as best as I can possible. Not in an altruistic way, because I'm quite realistic about the confines of living in a capitalist society, but in a way that I can like make the the most amount of effort possible without making myself feel guilty and not depriving myself of like like the pleasures of life. And so being vegan was a, it was very liberating for me to be able to align my values with my actions. Mm. And it like so it's always been very much so like my why for being vegan is because I simply value all life on earth. Nothing is greater or lesser than me. Therefore, I must like see it as an equal and try, try to take care of it as much as I try to take care of myself. And uh, being vegan just allows me to do that. And that's why I don't see myself ever not being vegan. That's just like a very deeply ingrained concept for me. Because it's aligned with your values. Yeah. Yeah. And it really my mental health as well. How so? Because I took a lot of nutrition courses and kinesiology courses when I was at UVA. And I, I realized that I was in a very vicious cycle. Once by the time I got to college, that I would eat some food and then it would make me feel very sluggish and very fatigued. And so I wouldn't be very motivated to do like my assignments or to hang out with my friends or to do anything. And because of that, I wasn't performing as high as I desired. And I would make myself very anxious and depressed because of that. And then that would mean I probably would circle back to eating things that weren't good for me. And so because I realized that that was a cycle that was occurring, I was like, you know, outside of other things, like, you know, like you have to work on yourself and like go to therapy and all that kind of stuff. I knew that um, getting a good grip on my diet was going to help because, you know, our mental, for those who are listening, like what happens in your gut does affect your mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was just like, oh, okay. If I eat better, my like I will have less brain fog oh I will have more energy because when I was pescatarian I had very low iron but I don't have any of those issues now I don't even I don't take supplements at all and I get blood work done every year and I'm perfectly healthy and it was something that was like if if I'm going to have to deal with anxiety and depression for the rest of my life let me like manage it the best way I can and having a plant-based like diet a vegan diet let me not say plant-based because we know that's from mine but having a vegan diet was going to be the best way for me to manage my mental health because I could at very least be in control of what was going into my body that would adversely affect how I perceived like 
any struggles in my life or any like successes in my life because I couldn't even be happy if I like wasn't like like nourishing my body very well. And so I just knew that this is how I can manage myself best. Yeah. Just making, taking, you know, being proactive is so, so important. And I know as somebody who also struggles to manage sometimes my anxiety and depression, I can definitely relate to that when I'm eating well and I'm getting fresh air and sunlight and I'm sitting by water or I'm jogging or walking. I just feel so much you know, better overall. So I'm sleeping better, showing up for myself. I love that. So let's talk about foraging mushrooms because I know, I feel like is mushroom, is that your favorite? <laughs> is that like your favorite thing to eat? Because I feel like when I look at your social media, you're always out in the forest, in the woods or somewhere. <laughs> And you're gathering some food. (laughs) Tell us, like, how did you get into foraging mushrooms and just foraging plants overall? Yeah, so I I do love mushrooms a lot. They're very delicious to me in every way. I haven't really met a mushroom that I didn't like to eat, (laughs) to be honest with you. I love them too. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I am always out in the woods. It is, that is my... My, my free therapy is to go outside. It makes me feel so much more alive and much more connected. And it's very exciting because I never know what's out there when I go outside. When I was younger, I would always spend an aggressive amount of time outside, like squatting down in the dirt, looking at like the bugs that crawl around, picking up earthworms, having them tickle my palm to like, you know, like when we, like I said, we would go to farms and stuff like that. And they would let me pick out food, like strawberry shit off the vine. And I loved all of that. So mm-hmm. because I was really into reading when I was younger, I would see something outside or on TV. And then I would, my mom bought me lots of books, like encyclopedias and stuff. And so I would ID them at home. So I think that was my first like introduction to that practice when I was a kid. And when I got into college, I started taking lots of solo hiking trips and I was never afraid of being outside. I will say that like, I guess maybe I could have been, but I just never have been afraid to be outside. Mm -hmm. I'm not like afraid of a fox or people or anything like that or getting lost. I'm like, I will always be fine. But because I really loved hiking, foraging is just like, the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae because I'm already going to go outside to hike. I might as well get something to eat while I'm out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was really what I like. was like, let me just add that into it. And foraging is really like my pandemic hobby that I picked up because I was always hiking. That, that was always like a part of who I was. But like I said, I really want to do a bit more because I, I, I don't have the access to go on really big hikes or like the hike the Appalachian Trail or, you know, anything like really big like that. But like, what else could I do? And that was foraging. And so there was this trail in Charlottesville that we would always go on. I would drag my partner out to and I was like, I just need this because I worked in STEM and I was in the office for 10 hours staring at a computer all day in like really not so great working conditions. And so I need to be outside. And one day we were out there and I saw some mushrooms. And I'm like, these look like the mushrooms that we see in the grocery store that are like $25 a pound. Mm-hmm. It was like, they do. So I took some pictures and I was like, I'm going to go home and like Google it, 
see that's the case. And it was. So I was like, we're 100% going back there tomorrow. And we're going to get those mushrooms. Did we brought them home and we ate them and it was absolutely delicious. And I've just been hooked ever since. It's just, it's super exciting. Like literally just yesterday we went outside and because like I didn't go outside all week because it's been like 90 degrees. I'm not built for the heat, but I was Mm -hmm. like, if I don't go outside, I'm going to lose my mind in here. And we went out and the first thing we saw were a whole bunch of milkweed pods everywhere there's nobody else on the trail we're like great love it so we got some milk weeks i'm gonna i'm gonna deep fry them this time like okra and then i spotted i'm like really good at knowing where berries are apparently and i spotted the side trail that just had like at least a quarter of a mile long of berry blackberry bushes and we just stood there together just picking all these berries and it was so satisfying we brought like home like a pound of blackberries and we're gonna make all these good desserts with them this weekend and it's just like that is like you cannot replace that type of experience like it's just like so magical and I want everyone to have that kind of experience (laughs) for sure and I will 100% spend every single week outside to learn every single flora and fauna fungi possible in the state of Virginia till the day I die. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you take, you're taking me back because my dad, when we were kids, he would always, we would go on walks and we would be in the woods and things like that. And he would pick things and he would always know what was what. So tell me this then, how do you know? I know that you took some pictures initially to get started with everything, but how do you know what is considered safe now? Like if somebody wants to go ahead and start their own foraging, like how would we know what to eat? Yeah, so I would 10 out of 10 recommend three things. Number one, joining like Facebook groups. I know Facebook is like not that great, but like (laughs) the only reason why to have a Facebook is 100% to join Facebook groups that are local to your area or your region because there are lots of people who are like, you know, seasoned veterans in this, like in foraging and whatnot. And so, like, I'm in the part of the Virginia Mushroom Hunters Facebook group. And so they are always posting things, but I also can post things and they'll help me ID them. And that's really nice to get second opinions. And then like, I just kind of look through people's posts and I'm just like, oh, that's what that is. That's cool. I've seen that before. And it's really fun to ID. So I would say Facebook groups, really, really great. Second thing, buy books that are specific to your region. I have like Mushroom Guide for Southeast America. And that's really cool because you know, there's certain things that shouldn't really grow over here that just like wouldn't ever like occur anywhere else in the U.S. So that's like a really good start because in there, it gives you origin. It gives you like it's detail for detail what it should look like, where to find it in habitat, pictures of it. And it's really great. Like any books like that. Fantastic. And lastly, you got to get like really good. <laughs> Like really good at taking photos and like being a bit fearless in order to take photos. Because when you take photos of anything, like whether it's plants or fungi, you have to take like a photo of the area that it's in, a up close top side and underside view of it, because it requires all of that to get a proper identification. And even still, with all of that, you might still have like 20 people arguing in the comment section about what you found. 
it takes like a lot of like documentation to try to like be confident. And I don't know, I guess like, cause I'm also like, oh, I'll try anything. Well, my rule with them is everything's edible at least once. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. No, I like, I don't ever eat anything that would not be safe. Like I am very aggressive about you must thoroughly, must, must, must thoroughly Google and research and read and get second opinions on everything that you see outside. Because what I could probably eat, you might not be able to eat because like we just have different bodies. We could just be sensitive to different things. Like my partner and I were just talking about how like we're pretty much not that allergic to poison oak. Don't know why. We're just, we're outside. We'll be touching around on stuff like that. It'll make our hands itch for like 10 minutes and then it's done. We don't have full break out to full on rashes. But like, that's really, really, really bad for other people. And so you have to be very cautious and be very aware of how you are feeling in the environment and do as much identification, clarification as possible before you bring it home. That would be my biggest advice. Just, yeah. Yeah. Because I have, I've been very lucky. I have never once picked up anything that was potentially deadly to me <laughs> I guess maybe because I'm just like either very lucky or just very self-aware of like oh yeah I, just, I know what poisonous mushrooms look like and that's one of them so there's nothing to deal with and I just I just don't worry about it so yeah I love it you just have such an open mind and it's just I love when you talk about like your upbringing and just how it seems like it was very simple, but also very satisfying to you. And it was very comforting. And I feel like your upbringing gave you the confidence to just be who you are and and just embrace that. So I just love hearing all of this. Yes, I love my mom dearly for always allowing me to do whatever I was interested in doing. <laughs> yeah, I could tell because when you said, oh, I'm going to be a vegetarian, she's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> no, we were always like, I grew up being an adventurous eater. Like we ate everything all the time. There wasn't anything I was ever afraid to eat when I was young. And that definitely contributes to the fact that I was not afraid to eat something like, you know, like Satan or something like that. Like what was the difference between the excitement of eating Satan versus like eating alligator fritters? I don't know. You just try it. And then, <laughs> like in the, maybe it tastes good. Maybe it doesn't. It's all about the, like the thrill of like having new experiences. But I will say that like my family were, they were very supportive and they like love everything that I do. And they're not surprised of who I've become. Like they're not surprised that I have houseplants. They're not surprised that I'm vegan. They're not surprised that like, if they call me on FaceTime, I'm probably on the top of a mountain. They're like, <laughs> none of them are <laughs> remotely surprised of like how I look. Cause they're like, you did that when you were six. What, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I love that. Speaking of that, like speaking of plants, cause I know <laughs> I sent you a meme. Was that last week or the week before being a, cause you're such a plant mom. So I sent you a meme and it was basically like, uh, what was it? The Titanic? Yeah. <laughs> the rose was like, nah, my plants are going to be on here. You going down. I, I, it was something like that. I hope I can find it so I can put it on the show notes, but <laughs> being a plant mom. Okay. Cause I noticed during a pandemic, so many people because Lowe's and Home Depot were like the only things open. So many people became plant moms <laughs> during that time. So have you always, it sounds like you've always been into having plants around you 
How has that been? Like, what are some of your favorites? And just tell us whatever you want. Tell us about being a plant mom, because these are truly your children. Yes. So (laughs) my mother had houseplants when I was growing up and my grandmother had a garden that we always worked in every season, like just in her front yard. And so I was always around plants, but I didn't particularly care for them that much when I was younger. I just thought that they were very nice house decorum that were alive, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but I thought they were really cool because like, my mom, like, she she just has a green thumb. So we had, like, really big plants in the home. And so basically, I, two and a half years ago, when I moved into my first apartment by myself, I didn't like furniture. I don't, I still don't like furniture. I think it, it's very stressful to me to own a lot of stuff. I'm very minimalistic. <laughs> so I bought a bunch of plants to basically fill the space and to give me an outlet because I'm not really the type of woman who like really yearns to have like human babies, but I love having an outlet of to nurture something and having houseplants allows me to be able to do that. And so I do have names for every single one of my plants. And I look at them every single day. I whisper them sweet somethings and make sure that they're taken care of. I have some plants here that I've had since the beginning, honestly. Like one of my plants, I have a Diefenbachia, like Artemis. She's been here. She was my very first plant that I rescued from Walmart. And she was like eight bucks. And I love her. And she's big and beautiful. And it's great. Rescue from Walmart? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Any plant that's at Walmart is needs to be What's her name? Because I know she because they have names. So what's her name? Her, her name, name is Artemis. And um, then I have I stumbled upon, of course, Monsteras, which everyone knows me for having Monsteras. My biggest Monstera is Alessandra. And I have cut her ten times and she's still as tall as me keeps growing and then her mini me version celeste like she is pretty much the same height at this point but she was my first ever propagation and has just boomed i really love monsters just because they're very big and they're very vibrant and i love the penetrations and they seem to just love me they they like the conditions in which i live in <laughs> same with pothos mm-hmm. And that's what I want people to always remember is that even if you brutally murder a plant or you have to evict a plant because it's just not vibing with your household, that's okay because you're just working your way to find the plant for you, the plant that wants to accept the love that you can give and wants to like live like you. And at the moment, I have like three monsteras, I want to say like three pothos and both of those types are vining plants. They just really like living with me. And then I have my Diefenbachia and they just live their best lives here. And everyone should find their plant and love on it. Give them a name, massage their little leaves, whatever. (laughs) Give them, you can brace a, a thunderstorm like I do sometimes to go collect rainwater so that you can give your plants the best, you know, water possible. I love all of that. And I encourage that for everybody. Yes, that sounds amazing. So just to kind of shift gears a bit, I really want to talk about your brand, Carrington, because I really love what you're doing on social media. I love how I feel like, so you know, sometimes, and you probably, I know you can probably relate to this. You'll meet someone and you're not really sure if they're going to be exactly 
like what you think they are as far as social media. You can't really tell. And I feel like you, like I get such calming vibes when I look at your story, when I look at your page. And then when I met you, I was like, okay, I love that. You know, just such calming vibes. So what made you decide to start your brand? Because a lot of times people could just post, you know, content online, but they're not really a brand, but you are. So what made you decide that you wanted to not only share, but profit by sharing your experiences? Yeah. So I realized right before my fourth year of college, I like woke up one day. This is just like my biggest story. I pretty much woke up one day and I decided (laughs) I don't want to be sore anymore from working out of the gym. And I also don't want to count calories anymore and meal prep or anything. I just want to live a good life. And I thought about how when I like look at people all over the world, a lot of people not in the American culture, like they just live normal lives and they live very long, good lives. And I just really wanted that. And so I spent, you know, like a year and a half, like really trying to cultivate a life that was sustainable that was healthy it was in my means because when you don't have a lot of money a lot of times we feel like it's like good things are inaccessible but I was like I'm going to figure that out for myself and so I created my lifestyle as it is as we all see now online and I wanted other people to be inspired by my I guess like liberty if being able to create something that was of my own without having to like work really hard or to copy anybody else and do that. So I created my brand Parts Homegrown with Carrington so that I can basically provide resources and like templates for people to live joyful, sustainable lives within their means by adopting a plant-based diet and lifestyle. Pretty much my motto. And I'm here to teach people how to nurture themselves and everyone else. And the best way I can do that is to provide a variety of services, such as teaching yoga classes to hosting workshops where I can help people build their spiritual practice to also just showcasing different brands and restaurants where we can feel safe to be able to have these options that feel good for our bodies. And I collaborate with a lot of different brands whether they are like for vegan leather bags to like smoothies or anything like that to bring that message forward. So that like say like, hey, like this is actually in your hometown, in your local Walmart. You can grab this product and you can try something new for yourself. And it's actually really healthy for you. This isn't like some gimmick. This isn't some like like, I don't know, just quick thing to try. That's like just trendy. This is something that you can easily incorporate with your life that isn't expensive. And that is really what I go for. So I never collaborate with a brand unless their values 100% align with mine. And there's some that I work very closely with in different capacities. Like I absolutely love Northport Mushrooms. They have facilitated me learning about the cultivation of mushrooms and I I love them just dearly for that. So our partnership is because like they are basically like teaching me how to grow mushrooms and I get to eat really good mushrooms. <laughs> That's really great. <laughs> and then there's been other brands like I've worked with like a wholesome culture and you know sporting like hey like if you if you're someone who maybe isn't so inclined to like go to events where you protest for animal rights, but you can maybe wear something very cute 
that very softly advocates for animal rights by wearing these really cute t-shirts. So I try to give people lots of variety of ways to look into creating a better lifestyle for themselves because I am very irritated by people who promote like their lifestyle or like just their products clearly for like this is just for money. And I think that it makes it very unattainable and very unrelatable. And so I want people to know that like, hey, you can do something that's homegrown. Like your lifestyle should be homegrown. Your body is your first home ever. You are a homeowner when just being born into this body. And how are you going to take care of it? And how are you going to move around the world in it? And I want to give you as many ways to do that. And so when I get these brand deals, it is solely for the purpose of pushing that narrative forward of like, how can you live a good life? I want to help you live a good life. And that is exactly why I do anything that I do is I want everyone to have a high quality life because I think that everyone deserves that. And I want to do the least amount of harm as possible. And so when you decide to create a business that is centered around like that, mission and you have to like insert yourself as like almost like practice what you preach it is very hard but I think it's like the best way that I can show people that this is a real thing that they can do because I'm doing it Mm -hmm. so before we wrap up tell us how we can follow you on social media or anywhere else that you want to send us so that we can support your work and to get to know you more Right, 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 right. So thankfully, there's not a lot of people in the world named Carrington. So I'm pretty, pretty happy. Pretty much have that on lock. So every single social media channel you can think of from Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, it all says at with Carrington. And uh, my website is partsomegrown.com. I have a Facebook page, but I'm going to be honest with y'all. It is simply a duplicate of my Instagram. And I have a YouTube channel. All parts from Grandma Carrington. I'm going to start posting pretty much everything that I forge, <laughs> calling it like forest to table type of content. And we're going to go pick some things out in the woods and you can watch me struggle to cook it in my kitchen. Whoa, this is a great series. I love this. And you said forest to table. Look at that. Yes, because everyone, everyone knows what farm to table is. And I was like, forest to table sounds very cutesy, very cottage core. <laughs> yes. You better look, you better get that domain. (laughs) 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 Yes, I love this. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. Were you going to say something else outside of the YouTube? Definitely follow me on social media because soon I will start offering services where I'm going to start taking people out hiking and teaching them good foraging practices and also teaching some mushroom cultivation courses as well in person now that you know things are opening up so definitely follow along for all of that i love your energy and i'm so thankful that you decided to come on and share your experiences to help other people i am deeply grateful that you allowed me to come on here i've long admired you and your work and so i'm just glad that i could share my story because i want to share as much as possible to inspire people to be like hey if she can do it, I can do it. And 100%, you yes, can. that's the same way. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. All of the show notes will be at brownvegan.com. So check those out. Also, let me know what you thought of this episode. Come hang out with me on Instagram. My handle over there is at brownvegan. Have a great day and I will talk to you next week.